we do sets you up for success. So when it becomes time to have a decision, the easy, the, the good choices are the easiest decisions and the bad choices are the hardest decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, what do most people do? They have a cupboard full of cookies, crackers, and crap right there, ready to go. Yet if they want something healthy, there's a piece of uncooked chicken yeah. in the, they know in the fridge. It's an hour and a half before they actually yeah, eat it. Yeah, guess what's gonna, yeah. <laughs> and we are, we are just animals that are set up for short-term rewards. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Greetings. Patrick. Hello. Uh, today, we are going to talk about nutrition. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about some um, strategies, might be the right word, some strategies sort of to uh, take knowledge and information and understanding about nutrition and actually turn that into good habits. Love it. Right? Before we do that, Who's our sponsor today? Fuel for Fire. Mm, we love Fuel for Fire. And actually, we're in yeah. the same building as Fuel for Fire. This is where my office is. Yes. It's in the Fuel for Fire World Headquarters in Natick, Massachusetts. That's right. And how did that come to be? Uh, so I was a founder of Fuel for Fire. Mm. So I don't run part, I don't run any of the day-to-day. -day. I'm not yep. part of the, uh, the actual operations of the business. But Fuel for Fire is a, um, a food, snack, supplement. I don't want to say supplement company because yeah. it's not. It's real food. It's um, these fruit pouches, kind of like a way baby food would come, um, but it's delicious fruit and whey protein. Yep. I think the first time I saw Fuel for Fire is what Bodie would go up to the fridge and yep. see if any. And so Bodie's my son like and he would have steal like two six, of them. six in the day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So later in the episode, we're going to hear from Rob uh, about how Fuel for Fire is chasing excellence in what they do. Um, but before that, let's get into this conversation about uh, nutritional strategies. Um, you obviously in your role as a coach over at CFNE, um, talk to people about nutrition a lot, yep. right? And, and we've done it on this podcast. I'm sure you've done it in real life even more, but you can geek out about nutrition, uh, as much as anybody, right. And you enjoy it, but I'm curious where, where, how you see the gap between sort of that geeking out and people, uh, maybe who are less inclined to geek out, but, but people actually turning that information into uh, real world actionable right. um, habits or strategies. Right. So maybe just walk us through a little bit high level. Like what do you, yeah. like how do you start bridging that, that, that gap or having that conversation? So I think uh, when you're, when I'm working with an athlete, the first kind of idea, the things that are going through my mind as I'm talking to them is do they need more knowledge or do they need more willpower and willpower. We'll kind of talk about that if we want right. to, but it's basically like, do they not know that certain foods are not good for them or do they not care? Right. Right. And from there, it's like, well, if they don't know, then, then we, that's, that's where we have to go. And that's what we've talked about on this podcast so many times, right? The, the glycemic load of foods and, you know, like, um, you know, making sure that we're eating real foods, not too much, mostly plants and the benefits of that and the micronutrients and macronutrients and what those are. And we can go down all of the deep rabbit holes that we want to go down. But at some point, people have the knowledge base, but they're still not making good decisions, right? They know that pizza isn't good for them, but they still have it. They know when they walk by 
the M&M's bowl at the office. They know that that's not good for them, but they still can't help themselves. They know when they go out to eat that they're um, not supposed to, you know, have the the loaded nachos, but they're still getting them. So at some point, it becomes no longer a, a question of knowledge. It becomes an, an a question of execution. And how do you create the right? How do you set yourself up for success? Because we only have so much willpower. You know, some of us have more of it than others. But you can't rely on that forever. So there's certain things that I've I talk with my athletes about about how to set them up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, do you before we sort of dive into those um, those sort of strategies? What do you think is the the major uh, thing that's lacking when the individual understands but isn't acting in accordance to that? Is it simply like? Do they not care? Do they, like, what is it that you think is missing that these strategies are, are sort of tr- attempting to solve for or or mitigate against? Um, I think that they've created a bad routine for themselves. Okay. It's, it's a habit. Okay. They're not mindful and aware of what's going on. Mm. So it's... Um, and they, they've created um, an environment for themselves, a routine that's really hard to get out of. So I think if you clean up the environment in which you're living in, I believe it sets you up for success. Okay. So here's, um, I'm, I'm kind of jazzed up to talk about this because I recently read um, James Clear's new book, um, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. And he in, in it, he mentions this phenomenal um, example of how powerful your environment is. And that is during the Vietnam War, when policymakers and um, government officials went over to Vietnam, they were shocked to find, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but something like 15% of the U.S. Army was addicted to heroin. They're like, what the hell? Like, this is crazy. So they set up all these task force and all these like resources for when these soldiers come back to help them get off of heroin. But because, but that's a huge task because back then, especially, it was like heroin is a once you're addicted, like you are done, you can't get off of it. What they found was when these soldiers came back, they all stopped. Hmm. They were not addicted to it. They were addicted to it in their environments over there where everyone else was doing it. It was so easy to get it. And that was the culture that they were in. When they came back here and they were put in their normal, quote unquote, normal environment, none of them were doing it. I think it went down to like from that 15% of the 15%, like 88% went off a completely cold turkey like that, which is just like, imagine a rehab program that got 88% compliance. It'd be like, it would make every, everybody would know what, want to know what they're doing. Yet in the US, what we do is you take people in their normal environment where they are users, put them in a separate, strange, weird environment in a rehab center. They get clean there. Then you put them back in their environment where they're tempted and all the normal um, routines of their life pop back up in queue after queue after queue, and they go right back on it. It's not the willpower. It's not the get off drugs program that they're part of it's the environment that they're in it's not even the desire not to go it's not not it's not it has it doesn't have to do with their willpower at that point 
It's it's the environment that they're put in. This is the environment. And it's the same thing that we all we all kind of know this, right? When you get with that certain group of buddies, like everyone drinks a little bit more and everyone has a little bit more of a good time than they should. Mm-hmm. And you get with this other group of friends and everyone's kind of like buttoned up and pursuing yep. excellence. And you know, it's like your environment counts for so much. So if I was to, if I was to talk to people about one thing, and maybe that's where we start with this, but if we were talking about one thing um, in terms of how to help you succeed, it would be to, to set yourself up so that you didn't have to use the willpower that your environment is helping you out. Okay, so let's maybe dive into that. Um, and so when you say environment, the things, the obvious things that come to my mind are um, home, right? That's, that's sure. where most, yeah. most so, of us start, but maybe home, office, uh, maybe the gym, maybe the car, and then like eating out. Cause yeah. that, that happens as well. So I don't, there's, there may be smaller ones, but like maybe we can kind of try to tackle each one of those, uh, as, as you see fit. Sure. So, um, we'll start with the home cause that's where people are probably eating majority of their meals. Um, here's the easy one is most of us, it's, it's, a, it's the way that like I have fairly high willpower and I can say no to a lot of things. Um, but I don't want to use it. Right. I don't want to use my willpower. I want to save it for other stuff. Yeah. So if I'm using it up, and this is studies have showed this, if you use up your willpower for one thing, you don't have it for the other. So if you're using all of your willpower up, it's like a muscle that gets tired. Yep. If you're using it all up on nutrition, and it, now it comes time to write your thesis, time to do your homework, time to have a really powerful, meaningful conversation with your family, your kids, or your wife, or to be like, I don't want to use it up on nutrition when it should be like, so the easiest thing, and I can't state this one enough is like, if it's in your house, you are a rock star, a monster, mentally strong person. If you can continue to say no to it, Mm -hmm. like you only have to be strong once or twice a week in terms of nutrition at your house. And it happens when you're not at your house. It happens when you're grocery shopping. Yep. When you're grocery shopping, be strong then, Mm -hmm. and just don't, Bring it into the house. I don't want to have fights with my kids about nutrition all the time. So what do we do? We just don't have the junk. Kids are like, can I have some ice cream? It's like, absolutely. If you can find it, go for it. <laughs> yeah. It's just the yeah. easiest way to say no. It's like, yeah. and then now they just don't ask. It's yeah. like, it, yeah, it never they comes point up. to it. They can't, they can't ask for it. Uh, I, I can't like when, when we have it in the house and it's there very rarely and frequently, but let's say we have a thing of like granola in the house. That's a big, like we go over to someone's house and they have, we have a friend that makes homemade granola. It's fantastic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. And we go home with it. And it's so hard. Every second, I feel like the granola is calling to me like, Ben, <laughs> come on. Like just, granola then, has a very deep voice. And, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and like for me, it's also like once I pop, I can't stop. Yeah. Like it's so like I it's so much easier for me not to have the first bite than to have the first bite and be like, I'm good. Like yeah. once I I just the games I play with my mind, like once I, I'm like, well, I just should finish this so I can, so I don't have to say no anymore. It'll yeah. be gone. Yep. It's like, it's crazy. So yeah, the easiest thing in the world is just don't have it in the house. That's like, if I can help everybody out, like go through your cupboards, go through your fridge, go through your pantries, you know what's good and what's not, what's bad. If you don't know, and it's in question, like chuck it. Yeah. If you're not like, basically if it's not like meat, if it's not vegetables, fruits, or some sort of like healthy starch, mm-hmm. just chuck it. Mm-hmm. It like you don't need it there. Didn't Pat Sherwood early in the days of CrossFit videos? Didn't he like go into people's kitchens and and give them? We've had we we've, we've done that here at New England, and Max at Tilt does that as well. For real? Yeah. Do you remember the Pat Sherwood videos though? 
Or it's possible I made them I don't. up, but I think yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure he did that. He would yeah. like with a camera, they'd go through and what it it's humongous though, because then all of a sudden you get there and you like have a craving and you or you want something bad. If it's not there, what you need to do for this is for habits. What you need to do is make the bad ones harder, right? And what you can do is you can make them impossible. If it's not there and you have that real craving at 10:30 at night, but it's not in the house, guess what? You do, and what you need to do is you don't need to have the cravings won't last forever, mm-hmm. but they're going to be really strong for three days, three weeks, three months. I don't know, three years. I don't know how long, but let's just eliminate the opportunity that make it impossible to have it. Yep. It's the easiest one in the world. Uh, sorry, before we dive in, any strategies that you have for when you're at the grocery store to super easy? I mean, they, it's, they, it's the same things I just listed, yeah. right? Like just buy. Buy real food, yeah. and we've talked enough about this podcast about real food is. But you know the, the 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 catchy one that everyone talks about is like shop the perimeter, stay away from the aisles. That's where all the processed foods are. Yep. Shop the perimeter, skip the bakery. Maybe if you're in the dairy aisle, pick up some eggs. It's like that's like the easiest way to kind of think about it. Mm-hmm. If it if it was alive, if it's gonna um, if it grew on a tree, if it had a mother, then like rock and roll, like just eat it. Yeah. Um, so next kind of easy things to set up yourself, your environment at your home is. Um, if you don't grocery shop, you hate it. You're a bachelor. You don't have the time. You're super busy. Is this is what I do? Is um, twofold. First one is have food available. So if you can't cook, like, or you don't want to cook, you don't have the time. Like, have like buy the pre-sliced vegetables. Is it going to cost you an extra forty cents per? whatever those come in, pound, I don't Mm -hmm. even know. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It's worth it in the long run because it's going to save you. You're going to be healthier. Mm -hmm. It'll save you money. You have to make the good choices as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. So pre-sliced veggies, single serve packages, um, the chicken that's already cooked. Like you can do all that stuff. Don't like, you don't have to be Julia Childs. I'm like dating myself. You don't have to be who, I don't even know who the chefs are now, right? Like Rachel Ray. I think she's even she gone now, to, right? Yeah. You don't have to be. I only, know, I only know Cake Boss for my <laughs> for my daughter, uh, but you don't have to be some like yeah. world class chef to be able to like make yourself healthy meals that you get at a grocery store. Other option is um, meal prep companies. Mm-hmm. So there's like things like Blue Apron, but you're still cooking at that point. Yep. But I've heard a lot of good things. Yep. Then there's companies that like I use, like Paleo Power Meals, which is ridiculously fantastic, super delicious food, about the same price you pay for a meal at Whole Foods, so it's mm-hmm. not crazy expensive, yet it comes totally cooked, like it it could not be easier. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could eat, you know, gourmet salmon and uh, Brussels sprouts, roasted vegetables with, you know, all this fa- amazing seasoning in your car. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't need to even have a microwave. It makes it so easy. We need to set you up for success. So when it becomes time to have a decision, the easy, the the good choices are the easiest decisions and the bad choices are the hardest decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, what do most people do? They have a cupboard full of cookies, crackers, and crap. Right there, ready to go. Yet, if they want something healthy, there's a piece of uncooked chicken in the fridge. They know it's an hour and a half before they actually eat it. Yeah, guess what's going to... (laughs) Yeah, and we are... We are just animals that are set up for short-term rewards, mm-hmm. where our whole being is set up for to incentivize short-term pleasures and push off and, and, and minimize short-term pain. But then like the long-term, which we all want, we all think about our lives, we all want to have save for retirement and be healthy and have great relationships and be successful. 
All that stuff is in the future. We put off all of those things for the immediacy of short-term pleasures, which hurt that in the long run. So the long short is set up your environment so you can make those really good choices right now. And then the hard choices, I mean, sorry, the bad choices are way harder to make. Mm -hmm. So like other way to do it is if you do end up cooking, cook more than you think you're going to need. And then before you even put it on the plate, put half of it in Tupperware for tomorrow. Now you have it for tomorrow. And it's like, again, really super easy. Always have fruit available. Well, what about fruit? Isn't fruit have sugar? It's like, forget about that. The apples are not the issue, right? Yeah. It's what we need to like have those available and ready to go. Today's episode is brought to you by Fuel for Fire. I sat down with founder and CEO Rob Gilfeather to talk with him about how the company started, where it's headed, and how it is chasing excellence. My background in cooking uh, as a professional chef and my interest in athletics and uh, triathlon and crossfitting naturally came together. So I look at it as like a serendipitous event that occurred in 2012 where we developed this product with my need for a natural, good tasting, uh, protein packed food product that I could take to the gym and use before or after a workout. So I think a lot of people have that light bulb moment where they think, oh, there should be this thing that does this, right? How did you make those leaps? How did you take those steps in a way that's obviously led you to, you know, five or six years later to being in a position where, you know, Fuel for Fire is now? Part of that is having people around you that are as passionate about the product or the idea as you are. And fortunately, I had a good, solid group of people that would help me eventually bring this product along its path. That involves athletes, investors, food scientists. So it's surrounding yourself with people who have done it before or are passionate to see it down its path. What have you seen to be the thing that has made you guys be able to continue to succeed over over the course of these years? Well, the pouch format, which is what Fuel Fire is in, a squeeze pouch, is not something that an adult is used to eating from. It, what came naturally to kids was not um, something that came naturally to an adult. So we really honed in on the nutrition and the, the great taste of Fuel for Fire. Was there ever a point where you really thought like, oh, we got something wrong here and we need to change it? Or were you always uh, confident that you got all the right pieces, but that it was just gonna take time to, to make them all fit together? We always felt we had the right pieces because at its base level, Fuel for Fire is just real ingredients, it's real food, it's fruit and whey protein isolate and nothing else added to it. So while you may question yourself, we always felt that this was uh, the right formulation for the right customer. We just needed more people to know about it. And we're now hitting that point where we are finally getting that uh, awareness and it's, uh, it's gratifying to see that. What are you excited about looking ahead the next year, five years, 10 years of Fuel for Fire? It's the fact that there's so many people out there that have not discovered our product yet, and I'm excited to bring it to them. And I'm not just talking about athletes. We're talking about people in the healthcare industry. We're talking about school children who may not have the money or the ability to eat breakfast before school. We're talking about people recovering from serious illnesses like cancer. We have patients who have contacted us and have told us that they love our product because of its taste and its consistency and its delivery system, and it helped them through whatever they were going through um, to recover. So there's a market there that is untapped for us, and we're one of the few products out there that can speak to a CrossFit audience. We can speak to the elite military. We can talk to uh, kindergartners, and we can talk to grandparents. 
If you want to try Fuel for Fire for yourself, use the code ONFIRE15 to get 15% off your purchase on Amazon. Again, that's ONFIRE15. What about um, what about the other environments that we mentioned? Office. Um, okay, so let's do the office. The others, sure. So the office. Um, the first one there is I'm gonna guess that most people struggle with uh, like the two o'clock hour, the two thirty mm-hmm. hour, like two hours after lunch. You have this lull in the day. You need this like pick me up, and that's where people like all of a sudden they've said no, no, no to the like that you know the the, the secretary or the office administrator. Somebody has that bowl of whatever it's Hershey Kisses or M and M's or. Um, hopefully it's Hershey Kisses because then at least you have to unwrap them. You don't take a handful of M&Ms. Right. Literally, it matters, yeah. right? Totally matters. Even better is like it's not there. Maybe it's down the hall in the, vend- in the vending machine. Okay, there's another step. You're less likely, right? So what we need to do there is break the habit loop. When the habit loop is um, cue, routine, reward, or cue, action, mm-hmm. um, or cue, routine, action, reward. So basically at two o'clock, that's the cue. At two o'clock, I get a hunkering for something delicious, right? I just need something. Mm-hmm. So then you go and you walk down, you go to the bowl of NMs, and that's the routine. You have them. And the reward is, mmm, sugar, delicious, satisfy my taste buds. I feel so much better in the short term. Mm-hmm. You keep doing that, and all of a sudden it becomes mindless. It becomes built into your, your, your repertoire. It's who you are. It's what you do. What we need to do is 2 o'clock is always going to happen. So if, that, if that's the cue then we need to change something up. So it might not be that you're hungry. It might be that you're just bored at two o'clock. You've sat in your office for too long and that's the cue. So instead, get up and go, and maybe it's that you're bored. So get up and go to the bathroom. I don't know, walk down the halls. Go, maybe it's that you need, maybe it's not the the M&Ms, you wanna go and talk to the administrative assistant. So get up and walk and talk to a coworker at two o'clock. Maybe it's that you truly are hungry. Okay, stay at your desk, but have an apple and eat an apple. The idea is break the the habit loop and figure out what it is that's gonna get. No, it really is something sweet. Okay, it is, then let's get a banana with peanut butter, you know, whatever it is, like something that satisfies that for you. The idea is, again, figure out what you have to like, the idea is become really aware of what the cues are. If you become really aware of those, you now set yourself up for, this is why I'm doing this. It's not autopilot. We need to pull ourselves off of autopilot and be able to figure out what are these habit loops I'm in that are causing me to get where I don't want to be. Some other things, easy, easy ones is um, if you... um, if you absolutely must, if you absolutely must um, go to the to the M M&M and bowl, before you do it, you have to go to the top of the building, back down to the bottom floor of the building, and then back to your office floor. So if you're in a 14 taking story the building, stairs, taking the stairs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ride the elevator. <laughs> so if you're in a 14 story building, yep. cool, and you're on the 10th floor, go up to the 14th, go back down the ground, come back up to the 10th, and then you can do it. My guess is, you're not you won't be as tempted. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's going to break it. So the idea behind that is do something good before you do something bad. And a lot of times the good negates the bad because now what you've said is, what you're doing is you're identifying with, I am I do healthy things. Mm-hmm. I am active. I am health. I care about my health. Now you've created this like habit loop in your head and you've created a new identity. That person does not go to the m M&M bowl. That would be conflicting mm-hmm. with your own personal identity. So if you have a habit like that, 
totally cool. I was I was at a um a doctor's convention this weekend for people I'm trying to get there. Um, basically combining doctors and trainers and coaches yep. together. And they have just the same problems that we do with compliance and they're more frustrated than we are. They have a hard, I would say it's the opposite. Doctors have a harder time with compliance than coaches and trainers do. Because mm. at least we're getting people that want to. Yeah. Um, but this guy was like, okay, you have a hard time uh, not smoking throughout the day. Here's the thing. Your smoking spot is no longer outside your office doors. It's a hundred yards down the street, two blocks away. Mm-hmm. You can still smoke as much as you want. So go for it. Like Bill, you can still smoke, but it's two blocks down. What that he has done is what we talked about earlier. He's made it more difficult, more steps before you have to do it. So now when he's busy and he's stressed out and he wants to do it, he's like, oh, I don't know. I just don't feel like walking down there and do it going all right. the way down there. It's like, you have to make it harder for yourself. Mm-hmm. Other easy ones to make it easier for yourself is um, bring lunch. Like obvious ones, like bring lunch and always have a healthy snack prepare this is something that heather does really well is always prepare over prepare so like i'm gonna bring lunch but i'm also gonna bring two snacks but you only eat one snack i know but i might for some reason or i might get stuck at work or i might something so bring it so that you're ready for it other thing is this is what used to tick me off when i worked in office was like it was always somebody's birthday or going away (laughs) party like Always, it's an anniversary, or it's someone's birth, someone's getting married, or someone's having a baby. Like two days a week, there's cake, or it's maybe it's cupcakes now because it's so much more fashionable than when I was working. But um, it's always there, so it's really hard to say no to that. It's yeah. like sitting there, you can sit, you go to it, and you like sing happy birthday, everybody. You're like, I'm not gonna do cake, I'm not gonna yeah. do cake, and everyone's eating it, and I'm not gonna do cake, I'm gonna do cake, and all of a sudden, everyone's there, and like, you're like, damn it, I'm gonna have cake. <laughs> Because you can only last so. Yeah. So instead, when you go to that birthday party, like bring an apple in your pocket, and everyone sings "Happy Birthday to You," and it's over. Is that how the song ends? I don't. Even, I think so. <laughs> when everyone's then it was you crack out and just start chomping on your apple. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not the weird guy. Go for it. If you're brave, what I would, if I was, I wouldn't have done it when I was in corporate then. But if it was me now, what I would do is I would talk to the people that bring in the cake where I would talk to human resources and I would talk to them about what this is doing to the workforce. Mm. I talked about, we can still celebrate things, but let's do it in a different fashion. This is killing us. Mm-hmm. It is. I get it. It's happy. It's celebratory. We can still do that, but let's do it in a different way. Let's do it with balloons and a song and let's do it with an edible arrangement. Let's do it with something other than that. Yeah. So you don't be a slave to your environment. You should control your environment, not the other way around. So much of don't uh, let the bus drive you. Don't let the bus drive you. I like that. So much of what you're you're sort of talking about and referring to um, actually makes me think of the um, every year, every January, CFNE does a big sort of nutrition challenge, right? Yes. Um, and every year, the sort of the rules or what you guys come up with are a little bit different. And, and yep. this year, um, this year is really interesting. And I wonder if maybe you can talk to us about that. But within the context of sort of everything we're talking about seems very much about um, how do you bring some more intention and attention to um, what are often sort of uh, default habits that we just have? Like we just, we just, everybody eats the same way and everybody does. And so it's just like shining a light on where those defaults are. So maybe um, because I think that your uh, collective conception of the, the CFNE nutrition challenge this year is a way to sort of tackle some of those things. So what we found is that it's kind of the the, the, the thesis of the, what we're talking about here 
is it might not necessarily be that people don't know what to eat, which is what people are always talking about all the time, right? It's, you know, what, what, how many carbohydrates, how many protein? Well, what about, you know, brown rice? Is that a low glycemic or is that a high glycemic? Is it good or bad for you? Like what you, you go down all these rabbit holes when people still aren't making the big, big decisions, right? And to me, I think the reason for that is most of us are on autopilot. We are just going through the same things we've done all the time. So what we've done is we've created three rules for this nutrition challenge, and they're not the traditional ones that we normally go with. Rule number one is um, when you're eating, you can eat whatever you want. There is no limitations on quantity or quality whatsoever. Eat whatever you want. But when you do, you must be sitting at a table. And a table is defined as a piece of furniture whose primary purpose is to eat at. So coffee tables and desks do not count. Second rule is no screens. That means no TVs, no computers, no iPads, no phones, no talking on the phone. No VR headsets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If people are doing that when they eat, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So um, the idea behind that is with those two things, every single bite of food you have becomes incredibly intentional, incredibly focused. It also becomes way more social. This is the way our ancestral health was built around. Eating was an event that you sat down and didn't do other things. What we found as well is that this helps a lot in terms of the absorption of nutrients, gut health, GI issues, and other stuff. You could have, you may, I'm not saying, some people may have very, very high willpower, knowledge, and eating a very good, high quality, appropriate quantity food meals, but not getting what they want out of that because they're eating it in the wrong state. And what I mean, not Massachusetts or <laughs> Iowa, what I mean by that is they're eating it and their hormones are off when they sit down hmm. because they are not getting themselves into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. That's where we're supposed to be, which is calm and relaxed. What they're doing is they're staying at work, on their desks, driving in their cars, on phones, doing work, and they're in the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight. It's where most of us spend most of our days, unfortunately. As human beings, that's not what we're supposed to be doing, and it's certainly not where we're supposed to be eating. So we have three rules. Tables, no screens, and the third one is just because we know how powerful it is, no alcohol. Mm. We've had, it's hard for me not to do that one because we've had alcoholics break their addictions through these nutrition challenges. So if one person does that every three nutrition challenges we have, it's worth it for me. Yeah. It's um, it's also um, just from it, it. It also when you don't have alcohol, you make better decisions. Yes. So it's like we're trying to become intentional and make More good mindful. decisions, mindful. Yeah. So if you're, you know, we're set trying to set people up for success. Is that a nutrition challenge that? you are going to thrive at, or is that going to be a challenge for you? Not, this, the, not this, the alcohol one, but this the, will be the hardest nutrition challenge I've ever done yeah. by far. I'm really good with like, okay, you, you only want me to eat lamb, carrots, and celery. I can <laughs> do it. that. Check. I yeah. can do that. Like, I honestly don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to yeah. like restructure my whole day. Yeah. Is it yeah. mostly work? Like it's mostly like yes. when you're at work, you yes. eat lunch in front of the So, car. um, that will be, yeah, for sure. So my normal routine is I coach class and then I grab, after I coach class, I grab my food and I eat food while I'm walking around the gym talking to people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then at lunch, like you just saw me before this yep. podcast, I was yeah. having lunch at my desk yeah. while while prepping for the show. Yeah. Like 
It's like I'm yep. just like multitasking all the time. Yeah. I just am such I've seen I'm I'm such an advocate of getting rid of multitasking. Mm-hmm. And food is one of those ways we do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um the the maybe the last environment thing that makes sense for us to talk about is going out to eat because yeah. I know that that's um, home and office, I think those are probably the primary places that people are eating. The, I think the third one is the restaurant, yeah. uh, even if it's once or twice a month. Some some strategies, right? Just yep. some some easy things that people can do when they go out to eat. First off, don't be afraid to go out to eat. Yep. Like that's what people are like. I gotta eat clean. I can't go out to eat. It's I know you. It's not gonna be as good as clean as what you make at home because you're in total control. If you want to get really healthy, limit the times you go out to eat. But be a human being, be social, enjoy yourself, like live your life. When you go out to eat, here's the first really easy one. People are like, I have no, like now I'm doing paleo or whatever it is that they're doing. Like I can't go out to eat. It's like, that is insane. It's the easiest thing in the world. Order a meat and the, everything comes with meat, veggies, and starch, right? It's like you get your rice, you get your veggies, and you get your meat, unless you're getting like pasta or something mm-hmm. like that. Here's the really easy thing is like order whatever you want to order, your meat, your fish, your chicken, your beef, your steak, whatever it is. And ask for double the veggies, no rice. Double the veggies, no potato. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You're going to get something really good. So that's the meal itself. Um, the next big one is skip your appetizers. You don't, like, like, dude, you can wait the seven minutes. Mm-hmm. You don't need to eat right now. You can wait seven minutes to eat. Appetizers end up being a meal in themselves. Like how many people get done with appetizers? When you order, it's like, oh, it looks so good. And your eyes are bigger than your stomach. You order two or three appetizers to share with the table, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I'm kind yeah. of already a little <laughs> bit full. Yeah. And now here comes your ribeye. Right. It's like, what the crap? Yeah. If everyone is ordering it and you have a hard time saying no to everybody else's, order a side salad. Just kind of like- Put something else in your mouth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> be social and be like, yeah, just like fill your, make it easy to do well, right? It's too hard. If everyone is ordering the nachos and the, the potato skins and everything else, like- don't sit there and use all your willpower. Like while they're doing that, eat your side salad. Mm-hmm. It's it's makes it so much easier. Next one is when the, the bread is. So the, there, that was right? me. The next okay. one I said was going to talk about. Perfect. It's like I put you in the audience. <laughs> is when the waiter comes by and um, puts a bread bowl down. Say no to it then. Yeah. Like if he puts it down, yeah, it's your toast. Your toast. Literally. No pun intended. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. But it's it's too hard to have that thing staring at you forever. It's so easy yeah. when he comes by. But no bread for us, thank you. Yep. Done. Next one is when he comes by with a dessert menu. As he's putting it down, be like, no dessert for us tonight, thank you. Don't look at the menu. You get to look at the menu, and all of a sudden, what happens is you were full. You were full. Yes. Like everyone's full after dinner when they eat it. If you're not, then order more. Mm-hmm. Like you should eat until you're not full. I mean, to, like until you're not hungry. But all of a sudden they put the dessert menu down and what happens is you get to trick your biological system, which keeps you from overeating. It's called palate fatigue. Mm. When you eat the same thing over and over and over again, you get really tired of eating. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden they switch it up and ooh, maybe I do have a little bit of room for the creme brulee. (laughs) That bread pudding looks phenomenal. Chocolate mousse. This is, by the way, this is a strategy that um, like world champion eaters use. They hack this. So um, Joey Chestnut, who is, he sets the world records for the most food you can consume. Mm-hmm. He knows about palate fatigue. So it's, um, he was in a competition for uh, um, who could eat the most ice cream sundaes. Like this, like 
hugely decadent, like heavy, rich, creamy, sweet Sundays, right? It's who can eat the most pounds of Sundays. And he's pounding away, he's pounding away. And after about six, seven minutes, he like, you can see it. He slows down. He starts to turn green. Sweat starts going on his forehead. He's reached his limit. Palate fatigue. His body is saying, you are full. So what does he do? The opposite of what everyone else in the world would do. He orders a plate of French fries. Mm -hmm. And he tricks it. Now he went from this savory, sweet, decadent, rich to this salty, like crunchy, hot, totally the opposite. He has half a plate of fries and guess what he can do? He goes right back and pounds away for another four minutes with no greenness, no mm. distress. You're tricking your body. What do we, this is what we do when we eat, when we go to eat out. Oh man, I am stuffed. I couldn't eat another bite. Dessert menu? Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Want to split something? Yeah. It's like, we trick it. Yeah. We we're overriding our own built-in mechanisms for that. Now, if you're with a group of people and everyone else is grabbing it, and they then don't even look at the menu. And when the waiter comes to ask for what you want, say, do you guys have any sort of like just fresh berries? And more often than not, they'll have something like that. And they'll bring you a plate of raspberries and blueberries. Mm -hmm. And that's your dessert. Um, one thing that, that that last sort of story makes me wonder what your thoughts are on which is the the sort of the um, it's similar to environment, but it's but it's it's the people around you mm -hmm. in that environment, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're at home and your significant other uh, likes to you know slam down a pizza every night, how do you deal with that? What are the strategies where or you're out to eat and all your buddies want to get yep. the the desserts, right? Yeah. And suddenly, and even the the story that you know about pulling the apple out of the birthday party, like. That's hard for a lot of people to yep. be the person who pulls out the apple. So I'm curious if you have any um, uh, advice to people who are who are bought into this idea, but tend to fail because whomever it is around them uh, either pressures them or they just don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. Or like whatever that that thing is, that peer pressure thing. So here's here's the chasing excellence answer, and then I'll give you okay which is how important are your goals to you, mm -hmm. right? If you are going to achieve your goals above all else, you pursue your goals with nothing, nothing's gonna keep me from achieving my goals, then what you do is you, you lose the friends that are holding you back. If you are setting yourself up with anchors that are not allowing you to swim, you gotta cut the ropes. Mm -hmm. You gotta find a new set of friends. And that goes right to the point of like, some people have to do this with their parents. Their parents are keeping them from being successful. You have to let them go. You have to have a conversation with them and say, this is the new me. This is the new way that I'm going to be living my life. And I really hope that you're here to support me. But if you are not, you're not going to be seeing me as much as me. Mm -hmm. And that's a conversation. Like if they're that like, you know, people have a hard time with like, you know, the in-laws who like cook Italian every single time. Like, yeah. like it's really hard. And I'm trying to lose 200 pounds. Like I'm, it's not going to happen if you're sabotaging me every single time. So this is what I'm doing. This is very, very important to me. This is not against you, but if you can't support me in my journey for the new better version of me, which I'm doing by the way, to help out everyone else around me, <clears throat> including your grandkids, then you're going to be seeing less of us. Now, that's super hard to do, right. like incredibly hard to do, to lose your friends, to lose 
potentially your family, but it's a real answer. And for a lot of people, that is a good choice. The other side of that is just the pure, like I'm okay being the oddball and I am okay being the one. I have enough self-confidence in myself and direction that this matters so much to me that I can be doing something different. It's everyone had a friend in high school that didn't drink at all, right? That was me. Yeah, perfect. That was, that was me too, I was actually. Yeah. That's weird. That is weird. Yeah. It's, you can still be, you, everyone kind of respects that person. Yeah. Be the person people respect. Don't be the person that follows suit because everyone else following suit. So it's okay to be what you think is the oddball. What other people look at is like, wow, that's something to aspire to. Um, now, I fully understand um, the first one is incredibly scary, intimidating, and the next one is incredibly hard. But if you are environment, it's, 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 I honestly don't know another way. It's the same thing we started off with earlier. What we're saying is, you know, you're going to stay in Vietnam mm -hmm. and you're addicted to heroin, but let's just try to figure out how to make this thing work. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it does. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it does for some people, but it's very similar to probably the, the, the success rates they have in back here where people relapse all the time. Right. You work really hard, you work really hard and then you relapse because you're in your same environment. You're set up to fail. What you need to do is take ownership of that and remove the things that are causing you from to fail. Mm -hmm. It is your environment. It's not you. Like it is, I mean, it's heroin we're talking about here. It's not, it's not cupcakes. Right. Like if they can, do, if it's that powerful there, then it, it's got to be the environment and not you. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that I've come across that in, in the, in the sort of the, I'm surrounded by people who maybe don't buy into this, the way that I, it's worked at times for me is to know or to appreciate the fact that when I stick to what I want, I get to be the example for everybody yeah. else, the people positive people example. Be, right. Yeah, exactly. And that can sort of telling yourself that story can replace the story of I'm the weird person. I, I love that. That's like when I, um, I love that when I was, I didn't eat sweets or anything like that for uh, 12 years. Yeah. You know, I'd go to these, I'd go to cookouts and people, you know, people would be doing all sorts of, you know, eating all sorts of stuff. You go to parties and people are doing all sorts of stuff. You go out to eat, people are doing all sorts of stuff. And that, that is a story I told myself. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm going to be the person that other people look up to and they're like, you get more respect for that. It's not like I'm the weirdo. Great, great for calling me out on that. It's I'm the one that others are aspiring to be like. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the hard work. Very cool. Uh, wrap it up there. Cool. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Thank you once again to today's sponsor, Fuel for Fire. You can find them on Amazon. And when you do, use the code ONFIRE15 for a discount. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.